When you were learning to code, did you have anyone helping you? Never officially, but in a kind of haphazard fashion. Over the years, there have been plenty of people that have, have steered me along. Not not one person. Sounds like you've got a few people. Yeah, a few people at various different times and in very kind of condensed bursts. So a few people in the bursts or one person? Oh, ge- ge- generally, at any one time, there'll only be one person that I'm like, oh, they're my guru, but it will only be briefly. Um, okay. I've mentioned in the past as well, on when we've talked about online learning and things, that I've kind of adopted web personalities as mentors, even though they don't know um, and have never heard from me. But I then kind of go deep on stalking it and working out everything they've ever done and listening to all their podcast interviews and things. Hmm. Not not creepy at all. No, but, but very helpful. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I would recommend it. I've learned a lot that way. So you, you learned from them by watching them to YouTubes and on podcasts speaking to other people. Yeah, a lot of online video content. So things like lynda.com and Skillshare and places like that. Um, and like a lot of people publish their own videos, So um, which... I kind of, I don't know. There's a there is a borderline. There are a lot of people whose videos, a lot of people whose videos I've watched that I would not class as that kind of creepy unknown mentor because I've just watched a couple of videos and they've been really useful and I've learned a lot. But that's not a kind of what I'm thinking of is more like oh I want to be like you as my career and I'm going to kind of emulate the things that you've done and follow your and listen mm. to everything that you say. Um, that's happened a bit. You use the word mentor there. Would you class these? people that you've that don't know you exist for example as someone that is a mentor no i would class them as role models um but and yeah i think what we're circling around is the idea of a kind of a mentorship relationship which i have not had regularly but have had a couple of times maybe i think when i was very like before i knew anything about code i had a very good mentor sort of showing me the ropes like in a kind of hey i, I do programming and you might like programming too so have a look at this and that got me that first showed me that it was something that was within the realm of things I could do, like made it possible, mm-hmm. changed the Overton window of what I thought I could do with computers, which was nice. Um, and then more recently, uh, there's been a couple of places I've worked where I've had more experienced programmers working with me that I've thought, wow, oh, yeah, this is, these are, these are showing me, showing me the ropes almost. And I don't know if taking me under their wing is too patronizing a me- metaphor, but... And the question for this week then is, how do you find a mentor? First, I guess we'll look into what, what does a mentor actually do for you? And then later on, we'll get on to tips maybe for finding one. And I think this will be particularly interesting for me because I've only ever had very sort of loose, informal, mentory kind of relationships that maybe neither side would 100% say, oh, yeah, that was a mentorship and they were a mentor and I was a mentee. Um, but it sounds like perhaps you have had some more of a formal setup. Uh, no, uh, other than well, I was going to come on to this later, but I think you're probably my mentor <laughs> at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> um, so I looked up the definition of what a mentor is, and it's a noun and a verb. So it's either an experienced and trusted advisor, or it's to advise or train someone. And then it, here it says in brackets, especially a younger colleague. So I don't know if I've ever had someone... I mean, when I did my teacher training... I had someone called a mentor and I had a a formal sit-down meeting with them every week about how I'd done that week. They'd come and watch me for 15 minutes um, in one of my lessons and then we'd have this like an hour meeting and talk about what I needed to do to improve. So that was quite like a formal way of mentoring something. And so you've never had the the formality of it. I've had one scenario where I was involved in a kind of a European-funded business startup scheme thing 
where that was run locally and I had a I was assigned a business business mentor so that wasn't coding specific but that was a a mentor kind of relationship and that's the only one I've had that's been explicitly called mentoring and it's been the least useful of all that style of <laughs> things that I can think of yeah I yeah. yeah I don't think I was properly engaging with the process and it was yeah it was a formality it was something that had to be done to to tick boxes to guarantee companies got funding and stuff so it wasn't a particularly rewarding experience for Neither of us, I don't think. Neither of us have had a, an official mentor for our coding, so it might be interesting for us to look into ways how we could find that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, and it it sounds like from that definition that you read out that the stuff that I, the experience I've had is a mentor relationship. So I've had more experienced colleagues who have sort of shepherded my growth along the way. Um, so maybe I have got more to contribute than I thought. So we've heard the definition of it. Is that what you would would you say that sums up a mentor in? A sentence. When I heard you say it, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. That answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> the only wiggle room, I think, would be that my expectation of what you think a mentor is is perhaps slightly different. Okay. I get the impression that you've had exposure to maybe some kind of organized coding mentorship platform. So there's this organization that's kind of a new open source web uh, application um, happening, and it's called Coding Coach. And this was, I originally got interested in this when back in my dark JavaScript node days when I was looking into learning those. Um, and I thought, ah, a great way to learn, to enhance my skills is this coding coach. And then kind of the back end side of it died out for a while because while we were waiting for all the front end people to finish off theirs, so I kind of forgot about it. And then by the time I came back to it, I'd changed my plans. <laughs> um, so... Coding Coach is a platform for finding mentors. So you go to codingcoach.io. I think the idea is they're going to build a system for finding a mentor where you kind of sign up and stuff. But at the moment, if you just go to mentors.codingcoach.io, it's just got a list of people that have put themselves out there and said, yeah, I'm happy to help people out. Here are the things I'm interested in. This is one sentence about me. And then you just get in touch with them. They give like three options for how to get in touch with them. You can then kind of feel free to just directly message them. And you don't have to feel like you're annoying anyone by doing it because they've put their self, they've put themselves out there. I think the idea eventually is so you sign up and then you kind of get matched up to someone more formally, I guess. So they're going to kind of web appify this process. Yeah. Um, whereas at the moment it's just a way of exposing people who are open to the idea, which is fantastically useful, actually, to be honest. Um, and it kind of it limit, it shows their nationality, well, not nationality, but where they're based, which I guess is really good for sort of syncing time zones and things and making sure you're not bugging someone in the middle of the night. And then you can kind of filter by language you're interested in. Let me try it. Python, United Kingdom. And then I've got three, there's three people at the moment who do Python and are from the UK. I could then get in touch with them if I wanted. But I don't need to. I've already got a mentor. <laughs> Who? Well, it's you. Every time I tell you about what I've been doing, and you say, "Oh, you should do it like this," or "You should try this." Well, there's a point. There's there's a point at which that's just going to get annoying, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's great. Is there, too, is, there, is there too much antagonism there for that to be a proper mentor relationship? No, you're a per, you're a person who I can come to with coding. You're an advisor. I can always message you with a coding problem, and you always try and respond fairly timelyly. I mean, so is that what you expect from a mentoring relationship? Then, just spit, like you have questions about code, they answer questions. Basically, I, I, yeah, it's someone who, when you're stuck with something, I'm the sort of person who I'm gonna, I could try and work it out on my own first, and then when I'm stuck on something and I can't Google it, I can't find the answer for it. I can then ask. 
or things that are not Googleable, like how do I lay out this section of my code or how should I get started mm-hmm. creating a database or something, which is not necessarily stuff you can help me with, but that was what I would look for in like an official mentor is someone that could advise me the correct direction to take when I'm moving on. Because I find a lot of the time, you know the syntax, you know what to do, but it's like what to do with it. What I want is someone to tell me that I'm doing it a correct way and not feel like I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be fantastic, particularly in, in JavaScript where there are so many different ways to do everything. Oh, that's what I mean. A, yeah. a, a correct way and yeah. or an industrially accepted way. Well, often when you're working alone, the only proof that you've got whether you're, what you're doing is right or not is whether you get the result you expect on the screen. Yeah. And sometimes you can do that and it can be it can look fantastic to you, but actually underneath under the hood you're making all terrible all sorts of terrible mistakes. I've done that in the past. So if you don't have any comprehension of algorithmic complexity of what you're doing or you're doing something that's fantastically insecure maybe. And the one that really got that got me early in my career was the the concept of race conditions and where you like particularly if you're doing anything asynchronous and you're or you're just basically setting off two different things at once and relying on the return value from from both of the things that you you've set going. Um I've often written code in the come just oh yeah, I'll write this and I'll get this response and then we'll do it. <laughs> Not knowing that, you know, at some point you'll do that in a slightly different network condition and something and the, the order in which they come back will change and yep. it will change how things respond. Like, Well, they happen at the same time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So catching those little things that maybe just in your scenario, running on your local machine, everything works fine. Um, but someone with a bit more experience um, and a bit more knowledge about the language can sort of set you straight on those kind of architectural things as well sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I get when I go to my the Python Dojo meetup mm-hmm. is people kind of just giving you little little tips about stuff as well. And I guess this comes from working with other people and as a self-taught developer i'm kind of sat at home behind my computer and haven't really got anyone other than the internet to ask but it's nice having like that face-to-face being able to talk about something and say like the things i pick up like typing code dot to open the current directory instead of having to open it from outside the directory and then go into it so like a small thing or just like someone i was working with was like using vim and could just give me a few extra vim commands that i didn't know before and just you kind of slowly build up these small little bits and i find the stuff that someone's told me in the person is definitely sticks in my mind a lot longer than stuff that i've just kind of read off an article or something oh yeah and i think it's there's something about seeing someone do something as well like you watch them do their work and then you go oh right hang on a minute they just did that thing that normally takes me five minutes they did it in two seconds without even thinking about it what were they how did they do that and that sort of ability to ask questions small optimizations yeah to tiny wins tiny wins yes yeah. yeah but then they build up to big wins yeah absolutely um Another thing that I've just thought of that is actually quite important about that sort of mentor relationship and having a person at the end rather than just Googling things and looking at Stack Overflow is the idea of competing opinions, different ideas. Because when you're reading particularly a blog post, you're getting one person's idea and they tend to be written quite declaratively. Like, this is the way that I do it and this is the way it should be done. But often, either they're wrong or there are different ways of doing things. Um, And you don't have any comprehension of how good they are but if you're in a room of five people and one person says something and if, if other people disagree particularly if developers are there and the developers <laughs> disagree they will definitely say <laughs> but i guess that's getting away from that's just sort of working in a team or going to a meetup rather than a specific mentor yeah but it's that human the human connection as opposed to just googling stuff yeah definitely and and i guess it's also someone that you build up a relationship with over a period of time so they they know the they start to learn the way you work and they kind of they know what you've talked about before mm. so they can relate 
relate back. You're not spending ages trying to explain the problem. You can just say, oh, do you remember that problem I had last week? I've now stuck on this bit and then they can work from there. So a lot of it, if you've gone Stack Overflow, you've got to spend half an hour just writing out your problem in a detailed enough way so it doesn't get voted down. <laughs> Returning to the the one-on-one nature of being with a mentor and how that's different from still talking to people in a group is that you can have someone sort of explain what is expected to be easy and what's expected to be hard in a way, which um, to kind of explain that further, I'd say when I was learning, absolutely everything was hard. Every problem, every problem seemed impossible. I had no idea how to do anything. I didn't know if it was splitting a string into an array was just as hard as creating an AI and uh, doing something like that. It was like, every, everything is everything is seemingly impossible, and I don't know. But, and I'm struggle struggle with everything. But to have someone who can give you a sense of like what is expected and what is easy and normal, and then when there are hard things, go oh yeah, that is hard, and let's work it. Yeah, either let's work it out together or his pointers to where you can go to find the answers to that but yeah having that sort of sense of context and the differentiation between like the levels of toughness of the things that you're learning yeah and just knowing that there are problems that's okay it's going to take you a long time to figure it out and you don't need to feel bad that you've spent hours trying to work something out it happens hmm. we can safely say then that it is probably a good idea to have a mentor or someone like someone like that that can help you out i worry that you kind of you're wasting someone's time by asking these like trivial to you may not seem trivial but they probably seem trivial to the person you're speaking to as they're more experienced than you so what what do you think about would you feel like if you had someone that was less less experienced than you like me do you get annoyed by all the the questions i ask you <laughs> do you feel like you're wasting your time by answering them well specifically no with you but i think that is a real <laughs> issue there is you do you have to be careful about this kind of thing because i've been in, in scenarios in the past where we've had like i can think of one instance in particular where I, we had over the course of six or ten months two different junior developers working in our team and they had very different approaches to how to kind of ask for help and how to explore and they're kind of yeah like just the way they worked things out so i had the, the first one was fantastic and i thought oh this is this is what a kind of apprentice developer or junior developer relationship should be they're enthusiastic and they're learning all the time and they're constantly asking you things and you're sort of constantly showing them things but you also get to see things from a different perspective because they're new to the field so they're seeing things that maybe you didn't and so that kind of brings the team together and is a really great relationship but then i've also been in a scenario not long after that we got the next the next junior in and it was much less rewarding um it was just something there was a yeah it's i, I hate to say it was a personality thing but i think it might have been it was just I don't, maybe we didn't get on as well as I had with the other junior. And so that relationship was much harder. I had to work harder at it to get them to get the same level of is, stuff out. Is that because they were less enthusiastic or asked the wrong questions or asked too many questions? Was there anything uh, tangible you could... I would say it was asking... I think the things that got me were asking the same sort of question over again and then also at the same time assuming that they knew a lot of answers when perhaps they didn't. So like they overestimated their own knowledge and then undervalued what you were telling them, but also were constantly stuck, <laughs> constantly struggling. Um, but I think there's also, I'd, yeah, hands up, that was probably me not knowing the correct, or the, not, not not having, not working out the best way to interact with them. And I think yeah. the response, in that response, in that relationship, I think the responsibility does lie with the senior person to make it work. So that's the kind of, that's what I view as a, as a failing of my, of my own, to be honest, in looking back. Um, but it, I think... It's very much dependent on the relationship. And I've found the people who I've looked to in that kind of mentorship role 
who were ahead of me in the, in their careers, there's always been a rapport when it's worked, and it's like we get on as people. Generally speaking, they're yeah. happy to they're happy to give me time because we're happy we're comfortable spending time together, and we feel like together we can do good work. So it's more about you got to find the right person, yeah, to be your mentor or uh, mentee, I guess, if you're coming at it from the other side. And it's all about relationships, I guess. Yeah. So I would, I, yeah, that's why I think possibly the formal, formalized way of doing it isn't maybe as successful as a, as a more organic approach of just like, oh, you happen to work with someone and you get on and you spend time talking about code. One is more experienced than the other. Therefore, there's some kind of exchange of, of knowledge happening. Um, but when it's formalized, some, it runs the risk of it just not quite working because it's reliant on some kind of interpersonal spark that may not come in every instance. So, for example, if you wanted a, you were looking for a mentor and you wanted a formal experience with them, how long do you think you would spend with them? So, for example, I spent an hour, an hour with mine. I mean, sometimes it felt like a long time, but luckily I got on with uh, her and it was fine. Well, the expectation, yeah, I know. I think it's reasonable to know, yeah, the level of of interaction that you're expecting. If it's a work relationship, if you've got a work mentor, that's going to be pretty full on. You're going to be getting stuff from them all the time, particularly if you're working on the same project. Um, you just sit and pair program almost. And if you're doing that, you could get you know, seven hours a day or whatever of uh, proper mentoring time. But um, if it's someone who's not in the same place that you work and is just sort of volunteering their time, you've got to be respectful of their time if you're asking them for help. And I think you know, an hour here and there is probably about what's expected. Certainly if you look at outside of coding, you look at just like business mentorships, it's generally, oh, yeah, someone goes and they they meet someone more experienced for coffee and they chat for 45 minutes. Or yeah. And that's maybe once a month, every couple of weeks. It's not, um, it's certainly not every day. And also, I think the the uh, the value of the mentor as well, like, the more successful people are, the less time they have to spare. <laughs> so I think we can both agree it's a good idea to have someone as a mentor. Do you know any ways of going about finding one? We've mentioned coding coach. That's maybe like an online thing. Would you, Have you got any ideas of how I, I might find someone, for example? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I, I'm thinking now specifically that I'd completely forgotten about before of people who I have met at meetups who are much more intelligent than I am, much more skilled. And you just meet someone a few times and you, you build a build a rapport and you chat with them. And then eventually there's someone that you can go, oh, I've got this idea or I've had this thing that I'm stuck on, but I know someone who's an expert. And then if it's not a cold email, it's not coming out of nowhere. If it's someone you've met before or have some kind of, you've interacted, even if it's only on Twitter, you can you're more able to ping a question after someone so you've got to put the groundwork in beforehand before you uh, it almost comes down to that horrible horrible word networking <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is it's it has has value no i know yeah. but so going to meetups to meet people and then just trying to be as extroverted as possible to um kind of talk to as many people as possible so you find someone that you feel like you could learn from. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's good advice, though, because like telling people to be extroverted is not something that people can just do. But being present, being having some kind of like interaction with your local developer community, even if it is just even if you just turn up and you sit in the corner quietly. But when everyone goes around the room, you say your name and you say what you do and you just listen and absorb. You're then a known presence. And also it could just be on Twitter. You could just like they respond to people on Twitter on a regular basis and they become a familiar face. Um, I've got, there's a few people that I talk to that I, um, I know for a fact I've got very different, <laughs> different views on all sorts of things. They're completely a whole <laughs> alien world away from me. But every now and again, one of us will ask the other, a dev, or will, will someone will just pose generally speaking a web question on Twitter and someone will answer. Yeah. Um, and then that is the start of a conversation 
And then suddenly, you, once you've had a conversation with someone, that's a very good position in which to kind of then reach out to them again. Mm. But you've got to be careful about that because uh, <laughs> particularly like answering Stack Overflow questions, suddenly you answer one question and then you respond to the sort of the, question, the inevitable question that comes after the question. The kind of, oh, well, but what about? And then suddenly you're debugging their entire app and doing their job for nah. them. So you've got to be... <laughs> there's a fine line to walk there between um, like having people happy to share knowledge with you and help you out and then annoying the hell out of them and yeah. pestering. So maybe Twitter is kind of a better place to just have a chat about general things as opposed to go deep on solving a problem, which I guess is Stack Overflow's sort of realm. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. And then you if you're gonna go deep, you kind of almost want slightly more yeah, a more formalized scenario. So having met someone through Coding Coach, I imagine you probably could have a good long conversation about maybe one specific problem that you're having. Mm-hmm. Um and also you can you can kind of do that in Stack Overflow because that's what it's there for. It's like you have a big complicated question, here are complicated answers. But it's not you're not gonna get that mental relation I think you're not gonna get that mental relationship on Stack Overflow, are you? Absolutely just, not. No, not at all. There's no uh, long term relationships there. <laughs> so I um I've mentioned this before, but there's also exorcism.io. I don't know if you remember from one of the previous episodes. I can't remember which one, but it's also kind of I I think I think we had talked about it about how you were learn. And you can go on Exorcism.io and be a mentor. I'm now doing it on the Python track. So I'm getting feedback on each of these problems. Now, that's kind of like a a mini mentor on one problem as opposed to, I guess it's more like Stack Overflow, but friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's a good sell. That's a a good pitch for an idea. But (laughs) you're given the problem. You don't come with the problem. So you're given a task to do. You have a go at completing it. And then I think the way it's like a kind of like a curriculum you start with something really simple and then you work through various problems and you can get feedback. And what's been really helpful in that situation is kind of the specific feedback for the language. So if you're learning a particular language and you want mentoring on it, on the language as a whole, like I'm learning a whole new Python Easter tricks, like list comprehensions and things like that. I, I did know about list comprehensions, but it's just that someone telling you when to use them say, Oh, this would be a really good place to use a list comprehension. For example, when, like you say, if you're coding on your own, you're not going to get that sort of input from someone more experienced. So I find that very useful. That sounds like a fantastic reason. I mean, we've talked, we have talked about it before, and it's also it's quite interesting to see you going on there as a mentor. When comparatively speaking, I mean, what we what we've discussed up to now is mentor relationships with someone much senior. Um, but sometimes you even just have to be. I mean, obviously, you've you've built a lot a wealth of knowledge over the past year and year or two um but not being a professional you don't have the hands-on experience that maybe the kind of mentors we've been talking about previously have but sometimes just having someone who's in there with you doing the same thing but is maybe even if it's only a week ahead in terms of lessons (laughs) that's fantastic that can be fantastically useful if you're particularly if you're learning alone to have that kind of peer relationship as much as a mentor and i make sure i do i do i get mentored on the problem first Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm actually i'm the student i'm the mentee going through the going through the python track as well and then kind of i feel i'm maybe mentoring the first couple of problems at the moment because that's where i feel confident answering them and you get Mm. kind of notes on how the best way i say the best we've uh, a good way of solving the problem so you kind of you have help as well in terms of the mentoring um and yeah it just makes you really think about the problems from like you said earlier seeing it from other people's perspectives so yeah the problems i'm mentoring are very simple and yeah i feel like most of the people 
that I am mentoring are less knowledgeable than me at that time. Um, and then you get the ones that just have obviously good coders and they just solved it and you just click accept and approve and they just well done and they just move on. Another great thing about that as well, the way you're describing it, is that you're getting that chance to explain stuff to other people when it's still fresh in your mind. Yeah. And the best thing for solidifying your own knowledge is trying to explain it to someone else because that's when you see kind of the limits of how well you've understood something. So that's exorcism. And I guess, so there's a few options, aren't there? Then so we could like try and either go to a meetup or get chatting with people on Twitter. Um, and then these things like exorcism and coding coach, they've all got kind of Slack groups associated with them. So you can go on and do an instant message with people. And as you do that more, I know there's one for 100 days of code and there's one for code newbies as well. So you can kind of go on there and there's always people asking questions and there's different channels for different languages. So you can kind of go on there and create relationships with people um, without having to go out to meetups and things as well. So that is useful. And forums as well. Just a gem, like you often see like channels like you, like you were saying you see channels of like people who are educating so I, the one i'm thinking of specifically is the fun fun function channel that mpj runs on youtube he has a fun fun forum that's kind of associated it's just for patrons or patreons of his uh um not patrons of his patreon is that how you is that the nomenclature for that one okay i anyway. guess yeah. <laughs> anyway people who pay him money <laughs> <laughs> just a, t- a tiny bit every month and then you get access to his forum and that is a fantastic community as well i can vouch i'm a member i love it i think it's great there's some really smart people in there and really friendly as well like, like you say often sometimes with open forums you get like either trolls or just people who are really grumpy um so some 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 forums are self-selecting um for happy people and they're worth finding and, and yeah in this yeah. case paying for but yeah, it's great um, so there's a lot of yeah f- we haven't really forums are such a sort of 90s technology but they're still really great today <laughs> and we haven't really touched on them much but they are fabulous have you heard of free code camp i have yes yeah so there's a forum on there as well they don't have a slack group or anything like that they just do it through a forum and that's been a really useful place and there's lots of helpful people there and all actually all the slack groups are on seem quite positive and helpful <laughs> i guess that's just I've, I've not come across any bad ones so i'm sure they're out there <laughs> so a lot of what we're saying ties in with what we've said in the past about where do you learn and how do you find learning materials and people to talk talk to when you're learning um do are we is the implication then that the specific mentoring relationship is something that comes about organically and maybe you shouldn't force or and you so just be out there talk to people about the code talk to people about work you're doing and and then see what happens or do you think there's value in maybe targeting people to try and make that kind of mentorship connection? I'd say probably a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I would, I'd like to think that it just comes about organically because that seems like the best way of it happening and will maybe create a longer-term uh, mentor-mentee relationship. But I think you're probably going to have to like, just ask some people, aren't you? If It depends how long you've got. <laughs> If you've got a long time, I think you can wait for something to organically happen, but it's not going to happen quickly. So if you're kind of stuck with a few things or you've got like a big change coming up, who am I talking about? Then I think you need to go and just ask people for help. Maybe you should have come out from your stalky ways and said that I'm really impressed with all your work. I've been listening to all your podcasts. Um, I I would really appreciate it if you spent maybe 10 minutes or something or could I email you once a month? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, that, but yeah. and I have. Oh, yeah, talking about that, uh, that does make me think that back in when I was 
complete noob, that would have been a much better option to kind of force it a little. Um, but I've yeah, I've reached out. You read a good book and you reach out to the author and say, oh, I really enjoyed the book. It's really fantastic. Um, and I've actually previously have. In fact, um, last time I was job hunting, sent out a few emails to say, I read your book. I would love to work with you. I'm, I'm a developer looking for work. What do you think? Um, <laughs> didn't get any jobs out of it, but did have some interesting conversations. And now that kind of, yeah, that tipping, there's that little seed of a connection there so in future i can email them and say hey yeah we chatted about this thing ages ago yeah. remember me and it's not just completely out the blue it's very much like what we were talking about last week with specialism is that things do come about organically but sometimes you have to steer it and you have to be mindful of what direction you're going in i think it's probably the same with like nurturing relationships with colleagues and mentors definitely and i suppose it's really important when you're reaching out to these people not to just be like go answer my emails i've i've got this question please answer it but going in with a kind of the attitude of they might not respond to you, they might not have time, they're busy. Um, what can you give to them as well? What can you give back as someone saying, actually, yes, I have read your book and maybe go in with like a couple of questions specific to what they do because people enjoy talking and discussing about things that they mm. like themselves. Did you did you ever go in asking any questions or you just went in saying, I've read your book, I love it? <laughs> oh no definitely always ask questions i think one thing that i would say is have something specific that you want from them and make it clear rather than being open-ended like oh hey I, you're really great that might get a thank you perhaps but if you say oh hey i think you're great and i have this specific question about that bit in your book in chapter three what about this you're probably yeah. going to get a response to that because yeah. that's something you, and you're not taking too much of their time then it's often hard like decision paralysis is terrible so if you see an email and you're like what do i do with this email they're not going to reply. But if there's a specific one thing, it doesn't look like it's going to take too, too much time. They haven't had to read paragraphs and paragraphs of text. They just, mm -hmm. oh, someone says something nice and then they ask a question and I know the answer to that. I can answer that. Yeah. And I have a suggestion. If you are emailing people with this sort of thing and you want to give a bit more information about why they should reply to you, for example, but you want to keep it short as well. What I did was I did a, you kind of do a TLDR, which stands for... Too long, didn't read. Yeah. A TLDR at the top, and then like you can say if you've got if you this is my question, a short like one sentence about why they should answer you, and then if you want to add more detail, then you could kind of put that afterwards. Yeah, that's probably good. Yeah, but it's I think brevity is definitely to be encouraged. Yeah, if you if you do want an answer to something, giving like a short option and then a long option if they've got time for it, I would appreciate that. <laughs> if someone emailed me with a question, <laughs> that sounds like maybe you've had people who have emailed you with not not they've not put a TLDR on the top. <laughs> That seems like a fairly good conclusion, really. It's nurture it, steer it, but don't be pushy. <laughs> be a human is often the, the, <laughs> the result of these things. Don't be a robot. Don't be awful. Um, and be nice. That's, yeah. that's and be, um, be aware of other people's time. And that if they are giving up their time, then they are giving up their time. So <laughs> just yeah. be aware of that, I think. As are listeners of this podcast, giving up their time gladly to listen to us, which we must stress is, is very appreciated. Thank you again for listening. We do really appreciate it. And hopefully we've been able to help you with some problem or other. Maybe not in this episode, but maybe in some other episodes, we've answered some of your questions. And I think it's probably worth noting that people should reach out to us if they feel the need. With By doing this, we're sort of marking ourselves as being open to that kind of communication. So those, those emails we've been talking about, those mentorship relationships, yeah, get in touch. We might not have much time but we will spare what we can and we, <laughs> yeah we very much appreciate people listening so. yeah uh, so you can find us on twitter at aqo code and you're at ed python and you're at thomas hazeldean so uh as we did last week we're going to do a, a short stand up at the end for our weather checker app 
So what have you done this week, Tom? I have done absolutely nothing on the Weather Checker app, but I have a very good excuse this week, unlike last week, because I have been preparing for a conference talk. So I'd like to shout out to FutureSync, the conference that's happening in Plymouth for web professionals and people who love digital stuff. Um, that's in a couple of weeks. I don't know, is it sold out? The ticket's gone, but it's happening and it's going to be amazing. And I think this episode will go out before it goes out, before it happens. Yeah, so it's on the 25th of April in Plymouth. I, if you Google FutureSync, I'm sure you'll be able to find out more info about it. And I think there may well be a few tickets left, so do get in quick, but uh, I think they're going to run out soon. And you may be able to get yourself on the podcast as it's now been announced. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be roaming around with a microphone and talking to people and doing some f- guerrilla recording. It's going to be exciting. Fingers crossed we'll have some nice t-shirts as well so you'll be able to spot us easily if you don't know what we look like. No, set yourself up there. Um, so yeah, that's why I have not done anything for the weather checker because I've been very, very, very busy. Um, but how about you? What have you, what have you been up to? Okay, let's, I'll TLDR. I have tidied up the main file a bit and now uh, every time you run it, uh, you just give it a location and it will give you back, like we talked about last week, the different rows for each day. So there's one file called london.csv. It's got all the different um, headers at the top. So date, overview, min, max, temp for each of the three days. And then on each row underneath it, it has the date and then all the information that from that time. Now, I, <laughs> I've been forgetting to run it every day, so we've only got one line of data for each. I was going to ask about that. I haven't set a cron job up yet, but I, I, you need to do that. I need to. That means I need to transfer it to the server, and I haven't got around to doing that yet. But it sounds like you need you you know what you need to do. So I, I, looking at the Git repo and seeing only one thing in there, I was going to suggest that oh perhaps your next step for next week should be exploring the world wonderful world of cron jobs. Hmm. Um, I have a cron job for my rugby app. Oh, there you go. So you're already well ahead on that one. So you just yeah, this. So that won't take long to set up. That will be it's just moving the files to the server. That's the thing that's <laughs> stopped me doing it so far. <laughs> So once I've done that, I mean, all we're waiting for is uh, somewhere to display it. Surely you've got no excuses now. <laughs> so the pressure, the pressure's on the front end. So, yeah, we'll see see what happens between now and uh, yeah next time. I guess maybe it will uh, advance more after FutureSync. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. That's that's a kind of st- standard stand up. You've said what you've done. I've said why I haven't done what I've done and what's my blocking factor. Um, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> good job all right again thanks for listening and um we'll speak to you next week bye yeah tara bye